You're listening to Policy Currents, a weekly podcast from the RAND Corporation. I'm Evan Banks. And I'm Deanna Lee. Every Friday, we bring you new insights from RAND's latest research and commentary. It's July 7th. It is impossible to know with certainty whether or when China will take military action against Taiwan. But the growing risk of a Chinese attack against Taiwan represents an important potential flashpoint between Beijing and Washington. That's why it's essential for U.S. decision makers to understand Taiwan's ability to sustain a defense against a potential invasion by Beijing. A new RAND report examines this topic, assessing four key factors that affect a country's ability to resist a large-scale military attack. Those factors are political leadership and social cohesion, military effectiveness, a country's ability to sustain and manage the economic and human costs of war, and military intervention by an ally. Overall, the authors find that Taiwan is vulnerable to defeat by China within 90 days of an invasion. More specifically, without a robust U.S. military intervention, China's enormous advantage in military resources would likely allow it to eventually subjugate the island. The report outlines some key recommendations for U.S. officials. First, they should continue to help Taiwan strengthen its military, including by helping to improve the quality of its weapons and the skill of its troops, which could increase the lethality of the force, bolster the island's confidence in its defense, and ultimately help to deter China. Second, U.S. support to counter Chinese information operations and economic coercion is also important. And finally, speed, clarity, and credibility of any pledged U.S. military support to Taiwan could be a critical factor in sustaining its ability to resist a Chinese incursion. Sticking with Taiwan, a new paper by RAND researcher Timothy Bonds focuses on one important consideration that Evan just alluded to, the vulnerabilities of Taiwan's information networks. If China were to attack Taiwan, it's very likely to attempt to control all communications on the island and prevent Taiwan's contact with the rest of the world. In preparation, Taiwan has already announced its Digital Resilience for All plan. But according to Bonds, there are additional steps Taiwan can take to keep in contact with allies, supporters, and its own people if attacked. For example, Most Taiwanese residents will depend on cellular service for information and communications during a war. Finding and destroying cellular towers would be an early task for the Chinese People's Liberation Army. Taiwan could better protect its cellular infrastructure by preparing backup sources of electrical power, increasing deployment of 5G networks, and using satellites to link disconnected local networks a tactic that Ukraine has used to restore cellular service amid the Russian invasion. The fixed facilities supporting government messaging, news, and social media, and, even more important, the people who represent the public face of Taiwan's government and free press, may be among the first targets of Chinese invading forces. To maintain communications from government spokespeople and media figures, 
Taiwan should develop alternative ways to communicate with the public, establish contingency locations from which civilian leadership and news media can communicate in wartime, and deploy mobile generators to maintain power at critical communication sources. It's been two weeks since Wagner Group leader Yevgeny Prigozhin's aborted March of Justice against Moscow. What will become of the tens of thousands of fighters he leads? A look at the backgrounds of those fighters and the circumstances they face shows that few of them are likely to quit, says Rand's Molly Donegan. To start, private forces are often motivated to sign up by money, not necessarily their interest in fighting for a cause. In fact, Wagner fighters are paid significantly more than their counterparts in the Russian army. Yet for some Wagner fighters in the Ukraine war, money may only be a secondary benefit. For convicts facing long prison sentences, a six-month term fighting with Wagner provides the prospect of freedom. However, Dunnigan notes these individuals still don't have much chance at rehabilitation. Private military actors have unusually high rates of PTSD and depression when compared with their Russian military counterparts. And early reports have emerged of Wagner convicts committing violent crimes, such as murder and molestation, upon returning to their hometowns in Russia. Having already faced such hardship and with few alternative paths to take, it's difficult to imagine Wagner's troops participating in anything resembling a mass exodus. Most likely, they'll remain loyal to Prigozhin or his successor, Dunnigan says, not because they want to, but because they have no better option. Roughly half of U.S. counties do not provide defense counsel at bail hearings, proceedings that can have high stakes for defendants. A recent RAND study finds that providing a public defender can decrease the use of monetary bail and pretrial detention, without increasing the rate at which defendants fail to appear at preliminary court hearings. This finding is significant. Pre-trial detention has been linked to worse outcomes for defendants and society, including longer jail stays and higher chances of conviction in the short term, as well as lower employment and higher rates of re-arrest over the long term. One potential reason why public defenders were able to improve defendants' outcomes at bail hearings is that they were able to increase judges' agreement with their assessment of the risk posed by the defendant. For example, if public defenders are present at bail hearings, they can ask a judge why they might be imposing less favorable conditions on their client than what the county's risk assessment recommends. Notably, this study was a field experiment conducted in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Because bail hearing procedures differ across jurisdictions, more information is required to determine whether these findings apply to other locations. That's it for today's episode. You can learn more about the topics we discussed in the show notes at rand.org slash podcast. We'll see you next week. RAND is a nonprofit institution that helps improve policy and decision-making through research and analysis.